The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. Now listening to the Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. Today in the house, I've got Dr. Akil Tihir. And um, wow, wait till you guys hear this story. I was actually introduced to him by Kathleen Gage over at the Power Up for Profits podcast. She's like, you got to get this guy on. His story's amazing. And um, I was like, sure. And then she started telling me about it. And I was like, holy crap. I'm like, I can't wait to get this guy on. This is really, really going to be cool. I um, uh, hope you guys really enjoy it, doctor. Um, uh, thank you for being on the show with us today. Thank you for having me on the show. Lovely being here. Yeah. So, oh man, um, why don't we do this? Let's just jump into your story, and um, and you guys have what you have to understand. Like, the, I had another gal on a long time ago. His name was Kathleen Gage, and you know, and a lot of times people think that you know, as you get older, you know, you can't teach a new dog or an old dog new tricks type thing, and you know, it's too late for me. In fact, you know, you know what? Um, uh, Akil, it was just uh, last week I was coaching a guy um, in our coaching program. And he's like, he goes, you know, after I hit 30 years old, I kind of just let myself go because I felt, you know, life was over at 30. You know, he's like, I figured I was old and I was all kind of washed up. So he just kind of let himself go and ballooned up to 300 pounds. And now he's got a little nine-year-old daughter and he's thinking, he started realizing, he's like, wow, there's still a lot of life left here. <laughs> so, you know, so he's starting to get his, he's already dropped 30 pounds and he's turning things around. It's like, God, we get these crazy ideas in our head. And, and I actually related really well with him because I remember when I was 18 and I was uh, fighting uh, forest fires uh, back over in Eastern Oregon and um, uh, for a summer job deal. And these two other guys on the crew were like 21 and 23 years old. And me and my buddy Wade, I was like, God, these guys are old. They're like 23. Those are old dudes. They got like, you know, they can go to the bars there, you know, and all this other stuff. So it's really funny. What doesn't matter where you're at in life. You always, I don't know. You got these weird things that you get in your head, you know, very, very true. You know, because I am 73, Tim. Mm-hmm. And, I was born again at the age of 61 when I had my open heart surgery. So in reality, I'm just 12 years old. So I'm starting life at 61. I wish there were more role models, you know, uh, mature, uh, uh, over 70-year-old role models. But in any case, my personal journey is that I... All my adult life, I had rich, unhealthy food, the standard American diet, meat, eggs, and dairy. And this compounded with the Indian diet, which is full of saturated fat and oil. We have a cultural connection with oil. Unless our curries are not going up with oil on the uh, front, we think we are not doing justice to our guests. Yeah, so you have a really interesting story because you were born in India, right? 
which a lot of my listeners know, like India is kind of the home of, you know, Ayurvedic traditions, the Siddhar, Siddhar healers. Our formula line is Ayurvedic based, you know, all that stuff. So you, 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 you were grew up over there, but you, you had a little bit different lifestyle and you didn't come out to, over to the States until you were in your forties. Correct. But my, I was in the Middle East for about 11 years. Mm. So I left India at a young age. But my point is that even now today, if you go to a village in India, you will find that people have the cultural connection to oil and they use the same oil again and again, you know, introducing amines if you heat it at a very uh, high temperature, meats or poultry, and that is carcinogenic. So, and, and again, with this diet, the Eastern diet that I used to have, the bad diet and the Western diet, just was not agreeing with me. And I ate everything at sight. So you name it and I've eaten it. So the only thing was that I was a seafood eater, an S-E-E. Everything that moved, I ate. So back in the Middle East and then coming over to the U.S., having absolute no exercise, I was a couch potato. So I did no exercise. I only exercised my eye muscles looking at other people run in the park. Mm-hmm. I had absolutely a type A personality that I wanted everything under control. It was a stressful life. I worked long hours just to live the American dream at the expense of my family and my personal life. So, so what, 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 did, what did you think was the American dream back then, Akil? What was that, what was that picture for you? Fame, recognition, fortune. These are the things American dream was. Have a big house, drive fantastic cars, which I did. You name the car and I've driven it. Mercedes to Audis to what have you, BMWs. But the point is that there came a time when all this, at the age, at a young age of 56, coronary artery disease, heart disease came knocking at my door. And I had to have angioplasty and stents. And you would have thought I changed my life after that. No, I did not. So I did the same thing stressful life. So I got sinuses and bronchitis every year visiting me. And then I got chronic constipation, which led me to diverticulitis. With diverticulitis, I had two twice perforations in my colon. I was admitted for long durations in the hospital with IV going in, mouth ulcers for years. I had thrombotic piles, I had hemorrhoids, I had Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome. So there was a standing joke in my clinic. If a guy came around and said, Doc, I got this, 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 this. I said, don't worry, buddy, even I've got it. So that was my life. So, so you're, a- you're a medical doctor over here in the United States. And your health was a, a complete mess. You'd literally eaten yourself onto the operating table. So again, there was no surprise when I had to have open heart surgery. Now, Tim, as they wheeled me in, there was an inflection point, a reflection point that, hey, do you want to continue this life, uh, lead a life like all my other heart patients did on a rocking chair, wait for the inevitability of death? Mm -hmm. Or 
or try and make a change. I could have retired and lived vicariously through my grandchild and children. But I said, no, wait a minute. I've got to get this set back into an opportunity. I've not, and then I said, no, not just an opportunity, a setback into a comeback. And that was not enough. I said, I'm not going to just survive. I'm going to thrive. And I was 61 at that time. So as the real man, I looked at the ICU nurses and I told them, probably with the infused, the uh, anesthetic infused, I don't know, but I made up my mind. So I told them I'm going to do a half marathon in a year's time if all went well. And they laughed at me, and I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. So in eight months after my open-heart surgery, I went to Nashville and finished my first half marathon. But how? I, I first said, wait a minute, what can I do to my body to do something about it? And I said, if I go in for tennis and if I go in for golf, I've got to buy these things and learn these things. The easiest way was to buy sneakers. I had shorts. Well, you think about think about this too, because like over here in America, if you you know if you're trying to follow the standard American dream, so called, you know, around age sixty two, sixty five, that's when people quote unquote retire, right? In fact, Social Security can start as early as sixty two in this country, and um, you were sixty one, so it's really interesting where it's like right where most people are thinking about retiring. And, you know, and then unfortunately, I was a financial advisor. So, you know, I saw a lot of this stuff where people would retire and then they would travel for a year or two or three. And then actually after that was done, they were just bored out of their minds. And then they would like fix their house, clean stuff. Then after a year or two, that's cleaned up. They're just bored out of their heads, right? Completely bored. And it's because they've lost their purpose, right? They completely lost their purpose. So like, as these people were going into retirement, you were starting your life. That's the the whole point that I want to get across today to the listeners is like, this guy was 61 years old and he started, then he, then he said, you know what? Okay. Enough's enough. I was, I almost died. It's time to start kicking ass. So keep going. That was just an awesome, awesome story, dude. I love this. Absolutely. And I want everybody who has had a heart surgery or any surgery with any kind of a, a big problem, you can give up and you don't have to lead just a life on a rocking chair. You've got to get out of that and live outside your comfort zone. That is the most important thing. And when I say comfort zone and live outside your comfort zone, climbing a mountain or running a marathon is only a metaphor, Tim, because it can be anything. It can be cooking, it can be learning how to play bridge, it can be uh, gardening, it can be uh, chess playing, but something out of the ordinary that you are... Guitar! It can be the guitar, baby! (laughs) But do something that you fear the most, Tim. Because once you do something that you fear the most, death of fear is certain. Mm. And that's what I did... When I went around, even when I jumped from the Kawaru Bridge in New Zealand, the first commercial uh, jumping site, uh, I, I I wore dark pants, of course. But uh, <laughs> how far it, down was that one? It was pretty high. It was the first commercial uh, jump. But I I simply for the first two seconds I was scared. After that, it was a superb feeling, and mm. this ended when I was sixty nine. 
Yeah, because then you're like, ah, oh, what the hell? I'm already in it. <laughs> Next is to swim with the sharks. Not, but I'm I'm going to go to Hawaii and do it. But I'm waiting for the COVID to get off. But you know, a lot of people turn around Tim and say that COVID, and I do believe them. It, it was a devastating thing what it has done here in my own country in India. I understand that, but COVID was a blessing in disguise to me because I got time to put my thoughts on paper, which my patients in Alabama and my uh, staff would always tell me after each uh, adventure, talk, write a book. That gave me the time to put down my thoughts on paper, write a book. So to me, COVID has not been. And, and just recently, yesterday, I was listening to Anderson Cooper uh, talking to one of the Harvard professors that how you can, how people are introverts and extroverts and how extroverts have suffered because they can't meet people and how introverts have gained because they love to be on their own. And so I, my wife is an introvert. I'm an extrovert. So I learned how to be an introvert. Mm -hmm. So that was a fantastic thing. It gave me an idea. And, and so from that time onwards, I wrote my book. I felt better. But coming back to my story, so I did this. And then I said, from then on, there was no stopping. The next thing I did was to do a pilgrimage, which I did not realize it was a pilgrimage. Mount Kailash in Tibet, 19,000 feet. I thought it was trekking. I went over there and it was a pilgrimage. And guess what? Tibet is under China. So the Chinese do not like Indians because we are at war with them. And they don't like Americans. I had an American passport and I'm an Indian. So I wanted to get out from there and come back. I didn't want to do this pilgrimage. But they would not let me. So when you can't beat them, join them. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, Tim, the best thing that has ever happened to me. I'm a born Muslim. I don't practice, but I'm a born, I'm spiritual. Mm -hmm. But going up there at the 19,000, you do parikramas. Three rounds, three days you have not had your bath, shower, nothing, and you're filthy. When you finish the three rounds, I wanted to be alone. And everybody was high-fiving. I said, no, I'm going to be alone. And I, that is the moment Tim, I realized, what is all this worldly material things? Is it really worth it? This alone and being inner self happy was quite different when I was depressed. In the five years after my stents, when I wanted to be alone and I was so depressed, my wife had to carry me to a psychiatrist. So what you're telling me here is that being a doctor, making hundreds of thousands of dollars and driving a Mercedes didn't bring you as much enjoyment as when you were up, finished walking in the mountains for a few days and you were covered in dirt. You said it, man. So what you realized was, is that you had everything you always had. You realized you always had every, everything you needed was always right there. True, true, but it didn't make much. I mean, what do you use a vehicle for from point A to point B? Mm -hmm. It's not what you drive. You need a car. You need enough money to buy a car. Mm -hmm. But my point is all those things, Swarovski's this and that, and it is not travel. Yes, I love to travel. And my wife was working in the uh, in the 
uh, air industry. So the idea was in airlines. So I used to get free tickets mm. when I was young in the Middle East. So we used to backpack and I've traveled URL practically the whole of Europe, Far East. I've done it. And those are the times you didn't have money. In those yeah. days of my life. Not that I'm unhappy in America. I love America. America is the best country to be with all of our faults. This is the best country to be in. Yeah, I don't definitely agree with you there, brother. I definitely agree with you there because our country has the first and second amendment and um, no other country has those amendments. They don't have, they don't have the, they don't have that in their constitution. So it's a great story right now. We're going to take a quick break and when we get back. I want you to talk about um, like this transformation and how it's changed your life. We'll be right back. Humans only use 10% of the brain and that can't change no matter how much we try. But you don't need to limit your body to the same standards. Bring your cells to 100% with Green 85 Juice Formula. Replace 85% of nutrients your body needs to function to the next level. Our chemical-free juice formula is 100% organic, contains no stimulants, and is made right here in the USA. Visit ChemicalFreeBody.com and get Green 85 shipped right to your door. ChemicalFreeBody.com What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Dr. Akil Tahir. And um, he just told us his um, amazing story of, you know, uh, coming here from India and, you know, standard American diet. He actually was a Western medical doctor that was trained over in India, um, eating the standard American diet, had to have a surgery, um, open heart surgery. Um, and then he turned his life around at age 61 and you just told us you just you know you're up 19,000 feet hiking mountains up in Tibet and ran a half a marathon so what else has happened since you flipped the switch uh emotionally spiritually and mentally and said I'm going to take complete charge of my life and my health um what else what other cool things you've been up to yeah I went around for adventures and I get bored very easily so I need new challenges so first I tried my this thing at uh, marathons. So when I did my marathon, the Nashville half, then I did the Chicago, but I collected on my own $10,000 for the American Heart Association. So I, it, it was my, uh, and when I ran that Chicago marathon, there, there are stories. I mean, there was a, there's a police officer who, who died that day in Chicago in 2011, mm. but there was a pregnant lady, full term, and she had on a t-shirt, I've got my OBGYN's permission to do this. She ran the whole marathon. She beat her husband by 15 minutes and then delivered a healthy baby in, in the night. <laughs> That's awesome. Superb so this is what I, I felt so alive when I saw these things. When it, for example, in Boston, in Boston, when you see Boston, if you know Boston Marathon, you're going to qualify. So I was almost doing it in four hours and 15 minutes. I was, but I tore my calf muscle. Mm. One more. Now I said, I can't do it. Everybody, my uh, physiatrist, my uh, orthopedic, they all got into it. And I said, no, I have to. I'll crawl, but I'll go around, I'll walk, but I have to do this much. Now, because it is not a loop, you have to be transported from uh, Boston to the place where you start. 
So the bus driver, the buses, school buses that take you all over. And for some reason, our driver, out of so many hundreds of buses, he missed the exit. And when he was trying to find and come back, it was time to run. And we were all, you should have seen the tense feeling in the bus. Mm, After all that preparation and that, oh. So the moment he got to the right place, he didn't wait. There was just about five, 10 minutes. The women on one side, the men the other side, and we just sat down and peed. And we stood up and peed. And the whole idea was that we had to do it. We can't stand in long lines anymore. Yeah. And as the things were getting colder initially, so I always wear that cap. But uh, as things were getting hot, I threw that away. And then there was a lot of sun. So I went over to a couple standing over there. And I was walking. But I ran the first jog for the first 10 miles. But my wife had told me, you come back complaining, I'll break your other leg. So don't ever do <laughs> So I was scared. So I was sort of jogging, walking. And I saw this couple. And I, and I told the man, I said, can I have your hat, please? I've got $20, which I always carry. I'll give it to you. He says, I can't. This is a custom-made hat. And his better half, wife, girlfriend, whoever she was, just elbowed him and said, take that hat off and give it to him. <laughs> Poor guy, just give it to me. Mm-hmm. And I tried so hard to, to find him. To give him back his hat because I know it was custom made, you know. I hope to God he's one day listening to all my podcasts. I'm still got his hat and I would love to return it back to him. So these are the thoughts that are great. In Mumbai, for example, Mumbai Marathon was terrible in terms of hardships. It was great camaraderie because mm. this kind of a thing, they always respect the older people more than we should be respected, to be very honest. So, like, if you're going for water, they'll let you go in first, even though that timings are going off. Say, sir, sir, you drink first. So, And then you have to look down and run. So you bang into things, other people, because the whole idea, there are potholes. So oh, the, yeah. yeah. Running in India, very few bathrooms. But the story that really is when I climb Mount Kilimanjaro, 19,000 feet, very little oxygen, uh, uh, minus 20, and we were really, and now what we do is we take... How, a, how old were you at this time when you're climbing Mount Kilimanjaro? Kilimanjaro was uh, in 2000, I must be 67, 66, 67. When I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, Kilimanjaro was in uh, 2012, yeah. So, yeah, about 65, 66, eight. So I climb Mount Kilimanjaro, but the idea is that the mosquitoes don't appear after a certain height. But when you start in Moshi, that place, you have to have anti-malarial. One of the side effects of the anti-malarial is you are insomnia. You can't sleep. Well, now we know what makes it easy to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Everybody's running from the mosquitoes. (laughs) You want to get the hell out of there. I hate those things. There are no mosquitoes because it can't survive. Right, right. The point was that I uh, went over there and then in the cold of night, the only two people, we had lamps and we put it over and it was so cold outside. And they let they ask you to drink five liters of water every day. 
and they put you on diuretics so you don't get cerebral edema or your pulmonary edema, swellings. So you take all this and I have an enlarged prostate. Enlarged prostate does not work well with all these things, diuretic mm-hmm. fluids. And so I had to pee. Now, I have never peed in a pee bottle. I carried a pee bottle. So I could not pee in a pee bottle. I didn't know what to do. I was turning on the left. I was turning on the right. And finally, I knelt. And I put the pee bottle. And the guy was sleeping next to me, about 10, 15 years younger to me. And he says, what are you doing? I said, praying for a miracle. Because I had to pee. And then the pee, I got peeing around there. My pee bottle got full. Now I had to step out. So these are the things that makes me, I I laugh around when I talk to people, when I tell my stories. They love these stories, you know. When I I, uh, did a first triathlon, I did not know. I went and got myself a a $200 wetsuit. I went up in in a place and I put on the wetsuit without any body glide. So it would not come down after the waistline. Came down to the waistline and could not bring it down. And here I am caught. I go down to the uh, next floor. I tell my wife, would you please help me get me out of this thing? She pulls her leggings, drags me like a rag doll all over the house, not coming out. She says, wait a minute, I got an idea. And whenever she says I got an idea, I'm scared. She goes to the kitchen, gets a scissor, cuts the leggings, part of it, and then tricks it out. Now I know that I have to put body glide. So next day I put body glide, put on the suit, go to the YMCA. Nothing in Google ever tells you that I only know breaststroke. I don't do any other strokes. If you do breaststrokes and you have a this thing, uh, you wear this wetsuit, you cannot swim. You're on floating. You cannot move forward. And nobody ever told me that. So I started doing this and I said, forget the wetsuit. So for seven days before the Lake Lanier in Atlanta, the triathlon, I poured ice water on myself every single day for seven to 10 days to acclimatize in the cold water. And I did it, man. Guess what, Tim? I stood second in my age group. Doing the breaststroke? No, there are three uh, disciplines. Right, but during the swimming part, you did the breaststroke, right? Yeah, right. The wetsuit, I could do it. Yeah, yeah. Cold water. So I, I came second in my age group. I was so thrilled. I came back and told my family I came second in my age group. You know what, my son, he's a doctor here, too. He turned around and said, Dad, but there are only three people in your age group. So what's a big deal? <laughs> so he, he burst my bubble, you know, so to speak. But uh, those are the stories I live with. I mean, I, I, I always tell people. Yeah, well, you should have asked your son. You should join, join me in the river. Pardon me? You should have asked your son to join you in the river. <laughs> but it is. It is I, I love that story. You know, it's it's almost like, you know. Not only at age 61 did you turn turn your I mean turn your health around like you know a lot of people like they'll have a heart attack or they'll get cancer and um, or Hashimoto's or whatever and then they they really get excited about 
they're just like, you know, sick and tired of being sick and tired, basically. And then they get really into health. I mean, it, it happens, right? There's a small percentage of this would happen to me, happened to my buddy Charles. Um, but it's like at age 61, because I was an athlete when I was younger. And then I got fat and had all these health issues, turned my health around. But it's like you became an, you're like, this isn't like you just getting healthy, going for walks and using a rebounder and, you know, doing a couple pull-ups. I mean, you literally turned into an athlete at age 61. You just, you were a couch potato. And at age 61, you said, I'm going to be an athlete. And then, and then I, and, and, and the thing is that when I had my perforation, the second perforation, the surgeons were very happy, knife happy. They came in and talked to me. He says, if you don't, you'll die. So we'll have to get the colon out. I said, no way. Since I've been on a whole food plant-based diet, Tim, I don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. All these problems that I talked about, the diverticulitis and the big piles and whatnot, all are in the back burner. I am thriving at this point in time by no one's business. And I want this heart-healthy message because, Tim, it is a known fact that uh, heart disease, especially coronary artery disease, is the leading cause worldwide, killing more people than all the cancers combined. And yeah. what I would say is the leading cause of heart disease is diet, food. So it becomes in America, or the Western countries, or even in India now, becomes a leading cause of death. I, I completely agree with you. Um, you know, you probably saw Forks Over Knives, Dr. Uh, Caldwell Usselstein's work. I spoke. He, he, all that stuff. It's like, you know, he, you know, he, one of the top cardiac surgeons, he looks at the inside of the artery. There's plaque there. He thought, mm, what's this plaque made up of? Oh, it's animal fat. I wonder if people stopped eating animals if the, if the I'd have to start doing, stop doing bypass surgeries. And all in, in long, it's... It's a long story, but now the movies like or that documentary, millions of people have listened to it. There's forks over knives, this and that. He's like he helped what eighteen people that had severe like triple bypass, quadruples, quintuple bypasses. Uh, that clinical group got put together, and a bunch of them healed and are still alive today. So this is a perfect segue. Let's take another quick break, and when we get back, I want to get your take, um, uh, Doctor Tahir, about food is medicine. And how you can do all the things that he, if you're sitting there listening today, and I don't care if you're, you know, this doesn't really matter now. Like the age is not a difference. There's another example of somebody, doesn't matter if you're 40 or you're 50 or you're 60 or you're 70 or 80 or beyond, you can turn your health around. And when we get back, Dr. Tahir is going to talk to you about how he turned his health around using food as medicine. We'll be right back. Turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across India and Southeast Asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth. Now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body turmeric 100 liquid drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution absorbs over 100 times better than regular turmeric products, eliminating the need to add black pepper. Turmeric 100 helps against inflammation and pain and is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% natural, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Dr. Tahir, and we've been talking everything about kicking ass in life, no matter what age you are, reversing heart disease, 
And now we're going to tell, he's going to show you how he did it. And, you know, this is where the rubber meets the road. And what that real, what that means, and that's going to translate into, and you think about it, the food that you eat can either be the most destructive, slow killing machine in the world, or it can be the most immune boosting, uh, longevity giving uh, substance that you could put down your throat. And it's really a choice. So, you know, you're, you didn't just turn yourself around at age 61 and become a freaking guy who's like going to Mount Kilimanjaro, running marathons, running triathletes by consuming the same stuff and doing the same thing. So what were the things that you did, Doc, that especially around food as medicine that, um, you know, changed your arteries and your gut from the inside out? Let me make a very strong statement here. That had I known today, had I known then what I know today and understand about how plaques are built up, I would have not had the angioplasty or bypass surgery. I would have gone straight for whole food, plant-based, no oil diet. But having said that, diet is so very important. The seventh chapter of my book is diet is more important than exercise. Mm -hmm. Because if you look olden, Pythagorean diet was what? Meat and fish were banned from his table because he believed that killing animals will always lead to war, killing humans. Who said this? Pythagorean. Mm. Pythagorean diet is Pythagoras. Oh, okay. I never heard that before. It is years back. Mm. And then you also know that no disease that can be treated by diet should be treated by any other means. Maimonides said this. So we know for a fact that if your diet is more important than exercise, you can't outrun your diet. Say if I do a five kilometer, at the most I'll be spending 300 to 350 calories. If I go to McDonald's, I get 500 calories in one burger. So you cannot outrun your diet. Your, your genetics people turn around and say, oh, my genetics, you know, I've got bad genetics or I've got good genetics. Good, I don't want to do anything about it. I'm going to be safe or the bad genetics. But genetics play only 15 to 20% of your health outcomes. And these two can be negated or mitigated by a whole food plant-based diet. As it happened in my case. So what I did was, initially when I ran marathons, I was eating a healthier diet, but not a whole food plant, not a plant-based. I was still having non-vegetarian fish, meat, and all that. So, and then I slowly became a flexitarian. I cut back on meat, eggs, and dairy, and sugar. Cut back, did not give up. And then I said the easiest thing for me to give up was dairy for me because I was lactose intolerant. But for my patients, it is the most difficult thing. The most difficult thing to give up is cheese. And you know why? Because we have a milk protein, which is casein. And this casein, you cannot digest. If you digest it, it turns into casomorphine in the body. So it has got morphine or opium-like qualities, addictive qualities. So therefore, you require at least about 10 gallons of milk to make one gallon of cheese. 
So it is very difficult for my patients to give up cheese. For me, it was easy because I was lactose intolerant. Now, the next thing I said, what do I give up now? Eggs, I give up eggs. But always keep in mind, when I give up meat, anything that you give up, try and get some other thing and replace it. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that for a second because, you know, when I first started this journey back in 2011, I, I found the exact same thing to be true. People are like, they people freaking love cheese and ice cream and yogurts and shit like this. So um, I always, I, two things help me to, I don't know if you're doing this with your patients, but I, I would just, I would do a little bit of an education and then I would show them all these new alternatives. So the first thing I'd say is like, what's the purpose of dairy or the the milk, the breast milk of a cow in nature? And I'd let them answer. And they say, well, you know, it's uh, well for, for a baby cow. And then the next question I ask, well, for how long? Well, um, you know, and 70% of them wouldn't even be able to answer it. And 30% would say, well, you know, for the baby until it doesn't need it anymore. And then I'm like, okay, and then what does it go drink or eat? Like, well, grass. Okay, great. So if you think about the breast milk of a cow, its purpose in nature is for a baby cow for a short period of time until that little baby cow weans. And then after that, the cow goes and eats grass. That's what it should be eating, right? So I don't see any adult cows running around drinking glasses of milk or sucking on the breast. And I, I guarantee I grew up on a cattle farm, Doc, so... If a if a an adult cow tried to suck suckle on the breast of another cow, it'd get kicked in the head, right? It's just it's not a natural thing. So why is it not only us humans think that as adults that we have to drink um, breast milk, but not only our own breast milk, but the breast milk of another species, right? And the re and the reason why is because it's called marketing. Right. It's called marketing and money and, and cows are big and docile and they can make a lot. Um, I mean, how come we're not doing cheetah milk or giraffe milk or, you know, orangutan milk, right? It's because it's just, it's, it's an industry. Okay. It's an industry. And you brought up casein. Casein's a carcinogen. It's an, it's a known cancer causer. We don't have the substance in our stomach called renin to break down those, those proteins. Only baby cows have it. So, you know, there's just a whole lot of reasons not to do it. It's very acidic. They usually add sugars to it and a bunch of crap. And then, you know, um, you probably saw, have you seen all this stuff where like, like a gallon of milk has, or something like that has like a hundred thousand pus molecules into it. And then they put antibiotics and hormones. And I mean, it's just crazy, right? constantly by giving hormones. Don't forget that because you have to keep the cow pregnant to make the milk. Yeah. Cause they, they treat the cow like a machine, yeah. you know? And then what we do is when those steel things go into the udders, that causes a laceration in the pus cells. And we are so smart that we let that, the, uh, the baby calf, we then put it in a little crate and then sell it as wheel. And yeah. The mooing of the cows, the cries of the cow in the night. It's it's a it's a horrible thing. The little baby's getting ripped away from the mamas. It really is. And so real. Yeah, rest. yeah. And then you have your little your little um. Yeah, it's really sad. So so that's the sign. If you just give people that, I don't know if you do that, but I teach people that, and then I'm like, look. So why do we like cheese so much? Well, because. It's got fat in it. And in nature, we're, our, we're programmed to look for fat, salt, and sugar. 
So if fat is there and there's salt in it as well, you're hitting two out of the three and we've grown up with it. So we really like it. And you said there's some addictive qualities there because of the casein causes casomorphine, all this other stuff, which is another further addiction. But the reality is, is it's just fat doc. So what I tell people is like, look, instead of getting the fat from the rest of a cow, I just choose to get the fat from a nut or a seed. Now I skip the cow and go right to the plant. So instead of letting the animal eat the plant and then I get the fat through the breast of the animal, I go right to the plant and get it. And there today it's so easy and so delicious. Like when I first started this, it was like hard. There wasn't that many, but now there's like sour creams and there's yogurts that are plant-based. Try to get the unsweetened ones, stay away from the cane sugars. There's cheeses like Mayoko's cheese. There's um, that one. Like it, I, I'm talking like fancy cheese, like really high, you know, really cool stuff, right? What are your favorite cheeses? You have some plant-based cheeses you like? No, I don't do cheese. No cheese. Cheese because I, I I don't I don't like uh, and that cheese was not my like for the in the beginning. Okay, so, so I, that wasn't for you. But a lot of people that is a big deal. There there are plant based cheeses. Mine, mine was ice cream. Oh okay, so you had frozen cheese. Oh boy, yes. <laughs> you see, try to understand the American Diabetic Association or the Endocrinologist Society. All these people, what do they say? They encourage a diet of fruits, vegetables, beans, and grains, but also they say lean meats, poultry, eggs, and low-fat or fat-free milk, which is not right. Well, they, they they can't. They have to say that so they can stay in business. You know that, right? We took we took ten years to fight the cigarette industry. It'll take a few more years to fight this dairy industry, but we're going to do it. Yeah. We're going to do it together. It's tough too because you know when you know I, I I grew up on a farm and I was actually just down in Tillamook. Um, uh, speaking at a, a people's freedom rally uh, this weekend. And one of the guys that got up there and did the prayer at the beginning and the end, he's a dairy farmer and he, he's a nice guy. I mean, he's a, he's a good, decent person, but it's just, you know, the reality is, is like that industry is just like, it just doesn't serve the population. It doesn't serve our immune system. It doesn't serve the ecosystem. And, you know, we have to change. I mean, you know, when, Hey, guess what? The earth's not flat anymore. Okay. We have to, we have to make some changes. We can't just keep going on with, you know, scientific consensus or following in the industry just because they make a bunch of money. And well, what's going to happen to all the people in the dairy industry? Well, guess what? Just like what happened with, with, with COVID happened, people just start figuring things out and they do something different. Right. There's a book on this called Who Moved My Cheese? It's a perfect, have you seen that book? That little thin book, Who Moved My Cheese? There's a little mouse and he keeps going and getting his cheese every day. And all of a sudden the cheese is gone. And 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 he's like pissed and he's upset and he just keeps going back and going back. And the other mouse is like, screw it, I'm going somewhere else. And then he says, no, I'm going to keep coming. And he just kept coming to that same spot and there was no cheese. And he starves to death. Where the other mouse is like, the hell with it. He goes looking for some more cheese and he finds his cheese somewhere else. Okay, that's what's going to happen to the dairy farmer. He'll go find, he'll go find another, he can start farming something else. He owns a farm. He's already got the barns and the tractors. He can just retool, do something different. It's no big deal. I think, uh, you know, Tim, uh, meat, dairy, eggs are the biggest competitors and sugar to our health. Biggest competitors. Mm -hmm. If we don't do something about it now, we are going to get, you know, if, for example, in India, I'll just tell you, it is also uh, uh, number one in heart disease deaths. And it's a vegetarian dish, but they have a lot of saturated fat and cholesterol in their diet. Mm -hmm. Now, 
the point I'm making is that in 2000 and uh, 2000, when the, the amount of people who died of heart disease, in 20 years' time, that number has doubled. So where are we going to? I mean, I have seen in, in here, in, in India, people are getting heart disease, diabetes at a young age. Even in America, Tim, when I came over here to practice at the age of 40, uh, when I came over here, I hardly saw a patient uh, below 50 getting diabetes or heart disease. Yeah. Now I'm getting 20-year-olds, 15-year-olds getting diabetes. Well, dude, you're in Alabama. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people overweight there. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Obesity in, overall in America it is 65%. All over, all over the world, even in India. See, India, that is why people don't understand this. We, are, we don't look fat. You go to India, you will see 70% of the people are not obese. But they carry fat. They carry fat in their abdomen. The visceral fat. Mm -hmm. Visceral fat. So when I was diagnosed, my body mass index was what? 23. But I was having a nice pouch. This actually brings up another point you were talking about earlier, which is how why food is more important than exercise. I mean, they're both, I mean, they're both important. Okay. But when you're talking about like turning stuff around real quick and maybe you only have the bandwidth to do one thing, we'd probably say start with the food because it's just, it's just going to make the biggest difference for you. Like you said, you can't outrun what you eat and stuff like that. But see, what people don't realize is you can still look good on the outside but your internal organs can be shutting down your kidneys, your bladder, your um, gallbladder, your, um, your liver, all these things can be having uh, problems. Um, diets that we have is reduction of calories so that it makes you look good outside. Whole food plant-based diet is the only diet that you don't have to count your calories. You can eat as much as you want and it makes you look good outside as well as inside. Yeah, it really does. How, how has your uh, skin tone been since uh, you turned 61, you went to a whole food plant-based diet? What's, what's happened to your skin? I, I don't know. For some reason, always, I think the damage that was done, uh, I, uh, am, I look older than my age, as some people have said, but I feel... 20 to 30 years younger. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now, Tim, when I started at 61 running, I used to do it in uh, 30 minutes, uh, five kilometers. I'm doing 29 minutes today, uh, today. I did in the morning, 29 minutes of 5K. There's a there's a noise coming through for some reason. Just keep oh, ahead of that. In 29 minutes, uh, I can do a 5K without uh, at the age of 73. That's impressive. That's impressive. I, I, there's, there's, there's a lot of 20 year olds waking up with a, you know, with a couple kids in the house and they can't even go do that. Yeah. But, but that's what I'm saying that I've got so much of vibrant uh, energy that I don't know. Sometimes I feel I'm hyper. I got my thyroid tested. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. But I just need to keep doing things. Either I'm gardening or I'm playing some game with my wife either on chess or something, then I go around and I'm a bad cook. So I, 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 that is one thing I can't do. I cannot make a decent meal. I know all the ingredients, but for some reason, I'm a bad cook. <laughs> well, that's what makes the world go around, brother. You don't have to be good at everything. I, 
I'm, I'm telling you that's true. So the idea was that when I became, then I became a pescatarian. I couldn't give up fish. Mm-hmm. And fish because and I and I tried to convince myself, oh, omega-3 and all that. But it's all humbug, you know. Yeah. Your- Have you read Dr. Clement's book called Killer Fish? I've heard about it, but I've not read it. Yeah, he, I mean, to sum up, there's a whole bunch in there, but, you know, and this was what he taught me. He was, he's one of the directors, him and his wife, Anna Maria, are co-directors of the Hippocrates Health Institute. And they're, they really teach beyond, it's beyond plant-based. It's a raw foods, living food diet. So it is even better. It's, you know, over, they, they want you to be eating 50 for 50% of your food by weight, be alive, sprouted nuts, sprouted seeds, sprouted beans, sprouted grains. So that was a, a huge learning tool for me um, to bring that home. Cause I, I mean, I've always got wheatgrass growing, sunflower sprouts, pea sprouts, buck. I mean, I got, I'm eating sprouts all the time. When I make nut milk, it's sprouted nut milk. I've, I've learned the power of sprouting and what that can do for the body. We're talking a hundred to 800% more nutrition from sprouted stuff. So from a guy who's trying to time hack and biohack and life hack my life, like that's a no brainer. Like if I can eat a handful of sunflower sprouts and that's like eating 30 handfuls of fresh cut kale, I'm Sign me up, right? Correct, correct. And you know, uh, Tim, I was just thinking about it when you were talking about that. You know, we older people, we don't realize one thing. That Have you heard about the blue zones? The blue oh, yeah, zones? I talk about them all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you talk about the blue zones, think about that. Because they, are, they all are reaching 100. But the most important thing that they have is that they are most 90% are whole food plant-based eaters. They exercise a lot, tremendous amount, but they have not mild drinking, moderate drink. Mm-hmm. And that is where I come around to myself. Do I drink? I don't advocate to people, but I drink. I've been drinking for the last 20 years, 25 years. One single malt in the evening. That is me time. Mm-hmm. When my dog will not come and bother me, he knows. <laughs> This is his time. Hey, it's time for you to meditate and connect with yourself. There are two things. There are three places that I meditate. One is with alcohol. One is when I'm running, I run alone. It is meditation in motion. So I don't like to... Uh, uh, and, and, and this particular thing about alcohol is because I tell people that, first of all, it increases your good cholesterol. Mine was 29 when I started. It is now 61. Can you imagine the difference? It's not only alcohol. It's exercise too, regular mm-hmm. exercise. But the, number two, it is endorphins. So it makes you feel good. So having said this, even your, your exercise becomes very important. But people always tell me that, okay, I walk in the park, I do this. No, if you are doing exercise for endorphins, by all means, great, walk. But if you're doing it for your heart, you have to do 70% of your maximum heart rate. Yeah. That is a very simple calculation. 200 minus your age. And that is your uh, uh, this thing, uh, maximum heart rate. And if you if you do seventy percent of that, say take for example me, seventy three years old, two hundred minus seventy three is about one forty, one thirty six, or whatever. And if you take seventy percent of that, hundred and six, hundred and seven. If I don't reach my heart rate to hundred and six, hundred and seven, it's useless for 
aerobic exercises to increase my good cholesterol. So you have to get a 70% raise. So if you're walking in the park, great, it'll help you. And feeling good, nature, solace, all that great. But if you're doing it for your HDL, then, so I drink. But I tell people that if I go on weekends, I may have two drinks with people, if I'm around people. Yeah. Every single day, I like to drink alone and I like to run alone. All right. So I think we have a, a, a cure for heart disease here. It's one malt scotch, single, single malt scotch, and a whole food plant based diet. <laughs> and that will lead you to feel good so you can do some exercise that'll help you sleep better and everything will just start tumbling in the right direction. <laughs> How do I tell my younger patients to give up all this meat, eggs, and dairy? Will I tell them? You see, heart attack, you'll get. They're not worried about the heart attack. But I tell them, your coronaries are bigger, because this happens in all your blood vessels. Your coronaries are bigger than your penile arteries. So if your penile arteries get atherosclerosis, you will not be able to do, perform. Yeah. Really dark. I'm not going to eat. Yep. That's a smart one. We talk about that all the time. You know, and and you tell people, it's like, hey, look, you know, if you have, if you have, you know, erectile dysfunction, ED, whatever you want to call it, you can't get it up. Um, Man, you're lucky because other people's first signs of heart disease is a heart attack. And 25% of those cases, there is no do over. You're dead. So when we find people that, you know, have erectile dysfunction, I tell them, Hey, this is a, you know, it's a blessing that you've, you've re- this cause it's just blood flow. I mean, that's all it really is. It's more important to them. Like older people, when I see them in the hospital, you know, when with heart disease, uh, heart attacks and all that, mm-hmm. they're not worried about their chest pain. You know what they're worried about? Mm-hmm. Constipation. The first thing I go in the room when I used to go, now I don't do hospital practice. I go in the room, doc, I haven't passed the motion, but you've got chest pain, you've got a heart attack, you're here, how is your chest pain? Oh, don't worry about all that. I need to have a bowel movement. Yeah. Yeah, it freaks them out. It freaks them out. Well, Dr. Tahir, thank you so much for coming on to the show today, brother. This Your story was great. Um, if people, uh, first off, guys, he's got a book called Open Heart, The Transfa- Transformational Journey of a Doctor who, after bypass surgery at age 61, ran marathons and climbed mountains. Um, it's available at Amazon and all other places. I prefer you guys go to Amazon. Can, can they buy it at other places besides Amazon? It, it is available on Amazon right now over here. You know, In India, it is available on Flipdrack and other, other things. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, so grab a copy. And, um, and you're still, are you still accepting patients? I, I'm not. I'm doing telemedicine. Okay. Well, so if somebody would like to work with you, where do they find you? Always, they always can go on my uh, website. I've yes. got a lot of people commenting on the website and I always answer them. What's your website, sir? Iltaher.com. Okay. So it's I-L-T-A-H-E-R.com. Okay. www.akiltaher.com. A-K-I-L. T-A-H-E-R.com. You guys can book an appointment with him. You can chat with him. You can check out his book, Open Heart. Again, The Transformational Journey of a Doctor Who, after bypass surgery at age 61, ran marathons 
and climb mountains. Man, thank you so much for being on here today and sharing your story. It's inspirational. There's a lot of people out there. I don't care at what age you are. You turned your life around at age 61 and that's an inspiration to everybody. I really appreciate the journey that you're, um, that you're on and you're continuing to do. And you, it's like you get excited about what's next and looking for the next challenge. And that's where life gets juicy. And it, you stay in that sweet spot, my friend. Uh, we need a lot more people like you living the way you're living. And for all of you listeners around the world, um, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we love you guys so much. Thank you for, I hope that you really enjoyed this episode with Dr. Tahir. It's, it's pretty amazing. If you guys could share the episode as much as possible and get it out there, maybe there's another person out there right now. They're, they're in their sixties or fifties or seventies and they got heart issues and, and they're just down on themselves. Maybe this episode could t- be the, the, the tipping point for them. It could turn around or like you said earlier, it's the inflection point. It could change their whole life here. Like, wow, God, I'm, I'm 50, I'm 45 years old. And this guy's 61. He turned it all around. Like I can do this too. Maybe I should try out this whole food plant-based deal and get moving a little bit. So again, our listeners, please like subscribe and share this video. We love you guys. And again, until next time, change yourself, change your world. And we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening again to the health hero show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world. See you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to the Health Hero Show with Tim James.